Good evening and welcome back to the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. This is the JMU Sports Blog season preview for the long-awaited, much-anticipated Sunbelt Conference football season um, about to begin in 2022. Um, I'm Todd. I'm joined as always by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Nothing. Back from summer break, huh? Like we had this was a this yeah. might have been the longest break we've taken in a couple of years, I think. This was the longest break we've taken, I think, during the podcast era yeah. um, for us. Yeah. And that is my fault, not Rob's this year. Um, we have been off for three weeks. We sort of missed last week through, um, I don't know, just all kinds of issues. Um, but I did get it done in Leadville, Rob. Got my belt buckle. So I know. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. So for any, for the two of you out there that were wondering about that, um, there you go. Um Really, really good time and happy to be back. And we are fully ready to go tonight. We are so lucky to have an awesome guest. Um, but as always, we're brought to you by Mossy Creek Fly Fishing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. You can still go by the shop anytime. Many of you will be back in town for the long weekend this weekend. It's a great time to go by the shop. They're having all kinds of like sales and stuff for Labor end of summer, Labor Day, headed into the fall season. Um, and if you mention the podcast, you get a free Mossy Creek sticker, including I know they have some um, stock of the like really cool fish, actual fish stickers that are really cool. I, I'm just saying like, you know what I mean? Fish shaped <laughs> stickers, right? Yes. yes. Um, I have one are, actually. Yes. That are very cool. So um, go by and see, see our friends, Brian and Colby over there um, at the corner of Reservoir and 33 and um, book your fall trips anytime you want. Uh, but we are thrilled tonight to be joined by the one and only Madison Horisic who is this year's sports editor at The Breeze. I think the senior most Breeze staffer around this year. Uh, welcome, Madison. How are you? I'm doing great. It's been it's been a long time coming to be able to finally sit down and talk some JMU football. I know oh. I, I will I will admit I joined the I joined the training camp party a little late. Um, I was one of the last um, Harrisonburg media reporters to make it down to Bridgeport Stadium and catch up on all things JMU football, but I am so ecstatic for <laughs> Middle Tennessee to be coming to Bridgeport. I don't think you guys understand how excited I am to <laughs> finally cover some JMU football again. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, well, we're glad to have you. And I know, and although you were late, like we were, um, getting back to training camp routine this year, um, heard you on the pot, or what was that? Coach Signetti's press conference this morning, um, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know when you guys record those things, but um, that was a good question actually about like, I, I thought the coach appreciated it too. The one about like, what is the difference between practices in camp versus now that we're in like the real deal? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just, he, it was funny because um, you're kind of like the senior most, I don't know, there's been some turnover at the DNR and other places. And I, I feel like you've probably been around Coach Signetti longer than just about anybody, really, at this point. <laughs> well, I um, think when you when you include Shane in in the mix, there okay, he yeah. might he might have me beat. Um, mm-hmm. But I, and I'll also I'll also throw in Savannah a little bit because she yeah. wants she's been she's going to be doing a little bit of football here and there, mostly on the photography side this season. Um, but she'll be writing as well. So I I don't like to admit that I probably am the person that Signetti has seen the most in the last two years, that makes me feel a little too powerful. I will fully admit that. Um, But no, I appreciate it. I appreciate that a lot. You know, I, it's something that I was interested in just because it seems like, it seems like when you make that shift um, 
something in the delivery and the coaching style and that sense of urgency always changes. So I really was like genuinely curious when I asked Ignetti, I was like, you know, how are things on the communication side going to be changing? Um, And I thought he was able to give some great insight on that. So I'm glad that I'm glad that you appreciated that question because I got a lot of that question too. So (laughs) yeah, no, I did. And it's funny because I feel like everyone's asking him like, who's the starting quarterback and he's just not going to say anything. Like he was excited to have something like, Oh yeah, that's actually something I want to talk about. Right. That was good. Um, but before we get into football, we have to say uh, the first two weeks of the Sun Belt era have been nothing short of um, the kind of outstanding we expect from JMU athletics. Uh, women's soccer, uh, and Matt, Maddie, feel free to jump in here anytime you want. Um, but women's soccer, 3 0 and 1 to start the campaign. Uh, men's soccer is the only one that let us down, really. Let's be honest. The, four, the three women's teams haven't lost a game yet. Um, soccer. Had, they drew with VCU to start the year, then beat Moorhead, Charlotte, and LaSalle. The, la- the last two of those were on the road. Um, the soccer team has not allowed a goal through four matches. And I think... If, three different goalies, too. That's what I was going to say. I think yeah. they used three different goalkeepers to yeah, get I think, those I think, four shutouts. Yeah. yeah, they've had three different girls start in, yeah. in the pipes. But. Yeah, and then they play, and they have a big one. Thursday, they're at UVA at 5 p.m. And Sunday, they play Louisville, who we will probably talk about more later in this podcast, um, at 1 p.m. So two huge opportunities on the horizon against ACC teams this week off that hot start. Um, great to see. Uh, well, I, field, think yeah. uh, yeah. I think it's interesting. With, with women's soccer, I, I am curious to know your guys' thoughts about um, no overtime. It's just regulation in soccer now um, because oh, that was wow. what led to the draw. Yeah. And so, and I mean, I was talking to Kurt Dudley about it on Sunday, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And we both are kind of in agreement. I'm personally not the biggest fan. And maybe it is because I am a little bit of an <laughs> adrenaline junkie. I like that extra stake of that sudden death. Yeah. Um, so I, I was a little disappointed to hear that there was going to be no overtime. I actually yeah. completely forgot about it until I was watching that game and there and they had said that was the end of the match and I was like wait a second what <laughs> yeah <laughs> I had totally forgot that that was that was new this year but yeah. no I mean women's soccer is off to a really good start I really like what they're doing um and I like that they have hit the ground running and picked up right where they left off last good. season like it feels like they haven't missed a beat at all good to, that's good to know and yeah I actually didn't realize the overtime rule change um I'm with you I just generally, I think Rob and I are both big soccer fans and we, I, I don't know. I mean, we're used to draws, uh, but at the same time, I've always kind of enjoyed the overtime. I think it's been kind to JMU over the years, but I will say, I guess the one thing I'm hopeful of is if you think about it from a TV angle, um, I don't know, maybe they can get more games on TV when they know they're not, they know they're going to be in a certain window. So who knows? I don't know. Um, that'll be fun to watch on both, both sides. Um, field hockey, two and oh, three to one winners over the spiders themselves and six to two over Bucknell. They go to ODU Friday morning at 11 AM. I don't actually know if that's a sunbelt. No, it can't be a sunbelt. No, they're independent. Field hockey. Yeah. They're like no, not they independent. <laughs> completely independent. So no wonder they're going to ODU Friday at 11 AM. Um, and then to UVA on Sunday at 1 PM. So two big opportunities for field hockey as well. Um, but I'm really happy for them to see them get two wins out of the gate just because, I don't know, they feel like the program that's 
gotten the short end of the stick in the conference realignment era, uh, at well, least so far, you know? It's, yeah. It's definitely interesting because of what could become for field hockey, um, mm. just because they're independent this year. And, you know, talking with Coach Morgan and how determined she is to get this team an automatic, uh, not an automatic, an, an uh, at large, large bid, because, you oh, know, wow. automatic bids don't mm. count this year for them. But I, I definitely think it's interesting. I also, think that the two wins that they had over the weekend mm -hmm. were were good starts um yeah. I thought the Bucknell win on Sunday was much more impressive than the Richmond win on Friday yeah um and that's somebody that's coming from somebody who's grown up playing this sports and I know okay. the ins and outs of it a good. little too well sometimes but um no I think they field hockey's off to a good start I think ODU is always a really important match to coach Morgan because that's her alma mater yeah. and she has such close ties with that university. Um, mm -hmm. But also UVA is ranked. So that's always going to be difficult when yeah. you play a ranked team. But at the mm -hmm. same time, I have a feeling that JMU has the potential to make a couple ranked teams a little frustrated this year. Like uh, or at least it. I hope that's the case. So mm -hmm. we'll, we'll see if that plays out. But I think Considering that they just recently played UVA in a scrimmage before the season started, they already kind of have a feeling of what this team is going to look like. So I think that okay. might play to their advantage as well. Good to hear. Um, best athletic facility on campus. <laughs> Go to the games, people. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, as, as we, I shouldn't have said that right before we talk about volleyball, who we also, of course, love. 3-0 um, start for volleyball. I don't think this was unexpected given the competition. Um, 3-1 win over Albany, 3-0 win over Robert Morris, 3-2 win over Kent State, all at home. Um, competition gets a lot more difficult this week as volleyball travels to Tallahassee for a tournament at FSU where, where they will play the Seminoles Thursday at 6 p.m. Um, then they get obviously more, um, you know, they play Yale and FAMU in the other two games. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to make so far. I, I I don't, I mean, I don't know enough about Albany, Robert Morris, or Kent State to say anything, but it's awesome to see volleyball also off to an awesome, a good start. So, um, and then lastly, men's soccer, one and one, um, three to one win over Binghamton and a tough one, nothing loss to MJI, New Jersey Institute of Technology. I know that sounds like a terrible loss. I don't think it actually is. I think they're like reasonably good division one team, right? Rob, I mean, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not reading into this too much. It, yeah, it, it, it wasn't a great loss. Okay, all right. <laughs> I think they had a losing record last year. They're playing in what the America East, but it's one game. I mean, this right. is the conference play is what matters. You, you yeah. do well in the conference, you're going to have a chance to play postseason. Oh, in that conference for sure. Um, yeah. And they also go to UVA Thursday at 8 p.m. That one's on ACC Network, so um, there'll be lots of that. Oh, by the way, first week of ESPN Plus. Big thumbs up from from here. Um, all these, most all of these games were available, were readily available this week. So that was kind of fun. And that takes us around the sport. And now we get to the part that everybody's been waiting for. Uh, we get to really talk football for real, Rob. I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, we're going to go position by position first. I think Maddie may have a little better sense of some of these, particularly in the defensive backfield um, and maybe on the outside on the offense than either of us do, because uh, there are some question marks. But there's a lot of really good areas of strength. And we'll start with the easiest one of all, um, quarterback, <laughs> believe it or not, this year. I, you know, Coach Signetti was being a little, he was pulling uh, Steve Sarkeesian this morning and uh, 
you know, he, he did a whole like, I know who the quarterback's going to be and the team knows who it's going to be, but I'm, <laughs> but I'm not going to tell everyone else kind of a thing. But I think we all have a pretty good sense um, that Tatsun Teo is going to be the starter uh, with Billy Atkins and Alonzo Barnett backing him up. Um, is there anything I said there that you think is different, Maddie? <laughs> no, I, I think you're I think you're pretty accurate. Sure. Um I have always kind of viewed Todd as the starter, at least since the end of the spring, um, just because he has a lot of maturity that this team is going to need heading into this season. And while mm-hmm. I think uh, Atkins and Burnett have a lot of potential, mm-hmm. Todd has the experience behind him. Mm-hmm. He understands what it takes. Um, and I think when you're going into a lot more of an unknown situation, mm-hmm. it's good to kind of rely on that experience and that leadership. Um, uh, Signetti has talked about how in multiple scenarios, Todd stepped up in the locker room. Um, I've talked to multiple players where they say, you know, all three of them really shine in their own ways. But, you know, I, I do think that when the announcement is made, whether that is in too deep, whether Signetti decides to just make the announcement before Saturday, or if it is quite literally when JMU has its first offensive uh, first turn at offense on Saturday, we'll find out. But <laughs> I, I think I think going with Todd at this point is probably the smartest decision, knowing there's so few unknowns. Yeah. Um, and I think Signetti's also doing a smart thing by allowing Billy and Alonza to kind of learn a little bit more. I think, at least for me, I've always viewed the backup quarterback battle as a little bit more enticing than the starting quarterback battle because those yeah. two are the future and have shown a lot of have shown a lot of promise and a lot of improvement and Signetti's mentioned that time and time again so I, I really do see QB2 being a little bit more of an interesting battle than QB1 has been yeah I, I've been thinking that too and I think you're right because I, I it also you know you think about those guys down the, they both want to play Atkins or Barnett mm-hmm. and like you know if one of them is clearly ahead of the other you wonder like okay are both of them going to stick around the whole time you know we're just the 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 the, the days of cole johnson sticking around for 17 years are, are probably <laughs> behind us with the transfer portal now yeah exactly so yeah um so we got a colorado state transfer starting the season most likely and we're all looking forward to that uh running back is easily the most fun position to consider on this team uh i guess arguably D-line uh, and o- eh, even O-line a little bit. But but running back, we all know. Percy's back. Uh, Keelan Black is back from injury. Uh, Latrell Palmer is there. The three of them are very clearly there. Um, there's probably a role for Van Horse. Uh, you know, I'm sure we're going to see a lot of him on special teams as well. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if we see him um, in the passing game quite a bit more, given some of the other deficiencies on the offense. Uh I did have one question for you, Maddie. I noticed that Sammy Malinagi is listed only as a running back this year. And given the, I, I didn't know if you'd seen anything from him, like given the, and coach Signetti's like kind of admitted lack of depth in the defensive backfield. I was just wondering if that was a, I felt like he played, he was sort of playing a little bit of defense last year too. I, if I'm not, I don't know if I'm remembering that correctly but I was just wondering if you'd seen anything from him um this fall to make you think uh there was a role for him somewhere you know I think where 
his biggest role comes in is mm-hmm. that extra level of physicality because he's got that defensive mm-hmm. core inside of him. Yep. I mean, he played he played every game last season. Yep. Um, and so it's not like he hasn't seen the field before. Uh, he's somebody that this team knows. Uh, I do like his explosiveness, I will say. Um, okay. Seeing him at practice, doing individual drills, um, I do like his explosiveness. I think he gets... I think he gets off the ground pretty quick um but he is he is strong he's very strong and i mean you can see it just looking at him yeah um but now you can make that argument for a lot of players i'm not going to negate that at all but um i think it's definitely going to be interesting to see where exactly he'll end up um considering the for lack of a better word the lack of depth yeah um that has recently become in the backfield but you know i I think that he has a place on this team. I think because of his versatility, mm-hmm. he gets to he gets to see a little bit more than just the defensive side, or at least that's that's how I've viewed it. But I yeah. do like his I do like his physicality and I do like his explosiveness, and those are the two biggest takeaways I've gotten from him. Cool. Yeah, wow. and Todd, I, I think with Van Horst, your point about yeah. him being a receiver really yeah. shouldn't be overlooked. I mean, he's the second leading returning receiver on this team behind yeah. behind the mm-hmm. Yeah, he had thirty three catches last year. I mean, that that's no small accomplishment for a guy coming out of the backfield. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him really used in some sort of like um, H-back type situation or just somebody they can get the ball to in space, particularly with a new quarterback and some, I don't want to say questions at wide receiver, but oh yeah, you know, there's not a lot of experience returning. So I think he could be a really big part of this offense, just more as a pass catcher. I hope so too. And, and I also just, I'm so excited to see all four of the, I mean, in particular the top three, but I mean, all four of those guys, and, and we'll talk about this with the lines later, but like I'm excited to see the FCS guys re- who are really who we know are very good. I'm excited to see them get a, a real shot at a big schedule, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're Percy or Keelan or Latrell, you got to be excited about you know not playing Elon every week. Like like this is going <laughs> to be real. I mean, that, that, and, you know, yeah. I mean, it's just this is a real opportunity to show yourself and. It, and it's the kind of opportunity that guys historically, you know, Abdullah, whoever, haven't really had that opportunity to show, you know. Um, so it's it's exciting. I mean, even Peyton Rutherford in that group, we, we saw quite a bit of him last year. So, yeah, running back's a fun position to look at. The other one that's really fun on the O-line is the O-line on offense. Mm-hmm. Um, Signetti particularly pointed out he was really pleased with the left side's development, which is Tyshawn Wyatt and Tyler Stevens. I think they're going to slot them at left tackle and left guard now. We know they have Kidwell, Potts. Um, so those four guys are like kind of locked in. Um, and then there's that whole group of like Morris, Hummel, Toner. I don't know. I mean, I think they. it seems like Signetti feels pretty good about where they are with the O-line. Is that the impression you get, Maddie? That's definitely the impression I get. And I think that that's a huge plus for JMU considering the bumps and bruises that the O-line went through last season. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember talking to Nick Kidwell both in the spring and uh, I think it was like two weeks ago. Um, and he talked about, um, you know, he talked about Stevens and Cole Potts and how their mentality as a player has improved just as much as their physicality has. Okay. Um, and so, and I think what, and I feel like everybody's been talking about this since the bumps and bruises that the offensive line went through last year was that, <laughs> yeah. you know, it wasn't going to be pretty last year, but we knew moving forward that the O-line was going to be monstrous in a few yeah. years. 
Um, I don't know if we've hit the monstrous that we've all kind of built in our heads, or at least that I potentially see this team, this O-line becoming. Um, but I think it's definitely it's definitely a step closer. And I think Signetti's a lot more confident in it than he was at the start of training camp. Okay. Um, which anytime you get that kind of improvement from Signetti, usually you're you're in a, you're in a good spot usually with him. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. at least in my experience. So <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, look, we we he he seems pretty straightforward most of the time. I mean, you know, in that regard, like whether he's up or down on a particular player or position group, and mm-hmm. yeah, he seems you, you could just tell in his comments the last couple of weeks he seems much more comfortable. Also, Nick Kidwell's um. His like media photo, he just looks enormous this year. So like, <laughs> yeah, uh, it'll be fun again. Another group, I mean, O line and O line in particular. Another group, the uh, running backs and O line, who just most of these guys had a lot of experience at the FCS level, and it's going to be really fun to see what they can do at the next level. Um, so really excited about that. Rob, do you have any questions there on O line? No, I'm just excited right. about it because I know just not necessarily this year, but over the course of the years when we've talked about the transition that we were all hoping would, would go from FCS to FBS, this was always what concerned me in the back of my head. Like, Oh man, you know, this is going to be the big leap forward when you go with guys that are no longer just like big and kind of raw potential, but now you've got big and skilled guys that you're going up against. And I think JMU is way better off heading into Saturday than I ever imagined they would be in a transition year. That's a good point. Yep. Um, Maddie, here's one we got to ask you about. Uh, the, everyone who might catch passes this year, um, but starting at tight end, a couple of returning names in Drew Painter and Noah Turner. Um, but I'm a little unclear, like who's healthy, what the pecking order is, um, and who else. You know, I think there are some transfers, some freshmen. Like, is there anyone that's you know? Do you have any better sense than we do, maybe, about the tight end position? Um, I'll be honest. Yeah. Um, a lot of the tight end development happened before I got to JMU yeah, yeah. while I was still in the process of my internship. So mm-hmm. I, that is probably the one position that I'm still yeah. kind of figuring out. Um, now, like you said, obviously there, you've got Noah Turner and Drew Painter, um, two very experienced tight ends, but at the same time, like you mentioned, you've got these transfers. So I, I definitely, I definitely agree in the fact that anybody who receives the ball, we're still kind of in a little bit of limbo. At least I am. Um, <laughs> you know, I think that there's, I think there are a couple people that uh, could potentially step up. I've always really liked Noah Turner. Um, mm-hmm. I liked his game. Um, he's always been a player that I've just like noticed. I don't know what mm-hmm. it is, but he's always drawn my eye when he's mm-hmm. on the field. Um, mm-hmm. Zach Horton also yeah. could potentially be somebody that I could see join a little bit. He played eight games last year. So, I mean, I could sure. see him getting a little bit more playing time, um, particularly towards the start of the season while JMU kind of figures out how much, like how often they want to use a tight end scheme um, versus focusing a little bit more on a physical run game or, yeah, you know, hail marrying it, whatever, whatever they feel like doing. Um, so yeah, I, I will I will fully admit tight ends are probably that probably the one position where I'm I have just as many question marks as other people do. Yeah. But I think I think part of that is because of the fact that I did have to play quite a bit of catch up yeah, once yeah. I made my trip back down. <laughs> no worries. Well, and and with Painter, I mean, we know if they're running the ball well, he's going to be in there, mm-hmm. and if he's healthy and they need protection, he's going to be in there. 
right? I mean, he's essentially a sixth offensive lineman um, and, you know, is, is a big dude who can, uh, yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Cause I think you're right. Um, it's, it's unclear and they haven't really, even the, even last year, they didn't use any of those guys a ton in the passing game. Um, but of course they didn't have to when they had all kinds of receivers. And that brings us to our last position on offense, the receiver group. Um, maybe arguably the most important player on offense is Chris Thornton. Uh, just in, in the sense to me that like, he's the one guy in this group that we know can play um, and can be a huge weapon for this team. But outside of that, like there's a whole lot of questions. He's and also going to so be the one guy that every other team has circled as the receiver they need to focus on, which is going to yes. make things a little <laughs> yeah. more difficult for him. I think he's up yeah. to the challenge, but you just don't, you don't have tape on anybody else. You know, so no, until no. other people start doing some things, you know, middle Tennessee state, their pass pass defense is focused on getting to the quarterback, probably Santeo yep. and, you know, stopping Thornton. Yeah. And I'm excited about the opportunity for um, Terrence Green Jr., who is the transfer from Monmouth, who scored mm-hmm. against JMU a couple years ago in the playoff game. Um, he seems like another Thornton, right? <laughs> like, uh, you know, um, it, that like transferred sort of up from a lower level FBS or FCS program like Thornton did from VMI. Uh, seems quick and capable. Uh and then, of course, we uh, Reggie Brown comes back. We've seen him in and out the last couple of seasons. Uh, I, Devin Ravenel still there, but not, I think, injured. So, I, you know, I don't, after that, like, I don't know the names at this position. And um, I don't know if either of you guys, I'm just really nervous about, like, who, who's going to catch the ball here. So I, I don't. I don't have a good sense of this. Well, Rob, I, think what, you know. I, th- I think what you got you to gotta remember is that a lot of people think of Chris Thornton because last year it was Chris Thornton and Antoine Wells. Now that Antoine Wells is out of the picture, mm-hmm. you're only left with one player. That's where your mind naturally goes to. Now, Chris Thornton had an amazing season. I'm not yeah. going to sit here and negate that in any way, shape, or form. He did. Oh. Um, he's probably, like you mentioned earlier, he's the player that you know every single team that's playing JMU has got like three red circles around yeah. right now before we have any updated film. Right. Um, you know, I think Terrence Green, I've really liked, I've really liked what I've seen out of him throughout training camp. Um, I think he's got, he's got a nice eye. Um, what I, what I love about wide receivers and what makes me really like a playing style is their willingness to just throw their body to catch mm-hmm. a ball. Mm-hmm. I've seen, I've seen Green do that a few times and some of them have been really, really very pretty catches. Um, I also think Reggie Brown could potentially step up a little bit more. But, I mean, I think those three, Thornton, Green, and Brown, are going to be your main three, just like Percy and Kalon and Latrell are going to be the three core running backs, mm-hmm. uh, at least to start this season. Yeah. I think as things develop, as – you know, Thornton potentially has more and more people on him. We might mm-hmm. see that shift. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's where Van Horse can really come in and be an asset for JMU. Um, I think that actually probably will be Van Horse's biggest role mm-hmm. is going to be helping create more options when, you know, you've got a corner, a safety, and half the defensive line covering Chris Thornton. Um, yeah. 
So I, I think that'll be, I think that will be interesting. And that was something that I noticed that happened quite a bit last year as well with Chris and Antoine, because, you know, Chris would have an amazing game. He'd get four touchdowns. And then, you know, next week, everybody would be on Chris Thornton. Well, you're leaving Antoine wide open. Right. Um, and I think that was the beauty of having those two. So I think once JMU gets really set on finding the next opposite of Chris, mm-hmm. um, I think they're going to, I think a lot of fans are going to feel much more comfortable in, mm-hmm. in the receiving core. Um, but, you know, I think Thornton Green and Brown can all work really, really well together. And I'm also not going to sit here and ignore Devin Ravenel. I love his yeah. speed. Yeah. Um, so What's when, when he, when he turns injury? on the gas. Um, well, so when we talked to Signetti this morning, he said there were no significant injuries. Yeah, he did um, say that. He said there was a little bit of COVID, no, but no significant injuries. Yeah, yes. well, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so thankful, uh, thankfully for Devin, it looks like his prognosis is not necessarily long-term. Mm-hmm. Whether that is Middle Tennessee or Georgia Southern, mm-hmm. we'll see. Um, but no, I think I think Signetti's going to be set on those three likely for Saturday, probably for Norfolk State as well, and then probably play it by ear, see what's going on and how teams are reading and really develop from there. Yeah, there's a couple of redshirt freshmen who redshirted last year. Um, Maxwell James, Desmond Green, mm-hmm. who come from like pretty significant high school programs. Like, with, you know, I don't know. We'll see. Um, and then there's a couple of, there's a couple of true freshmen uh, as well on the team. So I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, this is one of those positions where we could see anyone really who's on the roster who has a WR next to their name potentially yeah, play. Could really step up and yeah, this. yeah. So well, I this mean, is this mm-hmm. to me. This is probably one of my my favorite parts about Week One is that we get to watch Signetti play a little bit of a balancing game, especially mm-hmm. because fans don't really know what Middle Tennessee is going to come out and do. Um, yeah. Because typically in previous years, you know, first game in Bridgeforth is like is 68, right. is yeah. 68 to 10 or, yeah. you know, yeah. 49 to 3 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we'll get to the second quarter and Signetti's like, all right, let's just start putting everybody in. Let's let's put everybody in and see what they can do. Um, yeah. But this is going to be a little bit more interesting because I oh, don't yeah. think I don't think Middle Tennessee is a 49 to 49 to 3 game. Uh, I think it's going to be significantly closer than that. And so obviously Signetti is going to want to make sure that he puts his team in the best position. But at the same time, I'm also intrigued to see if he will slip in, you know, Maxwell or if he'll slip Mm -hmm. in, if he'll slip in Desmond Green or somebody like that to see how they adjust and what that chemistry could look like as well. Yeah, it'll be that's going to be it's going to be a position to watch, certainly for the first three or four games this year. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's going to be one of the most fascinating positions on the team. Um, as we flip over to the defensive side, um, I'm terrified to even start with D line. We'll start with linebacker. This is a fairly, <laughs> this is, yeah. We'll start with linebacker. This is an easier one. Um, not you know, I none of these guys are like uh, they're not. They're, there's no returning all American. Like a, there's no Percy or Chris Thornton in this group. But mm-hmm. there are five guys. I mean, I, Torres Jones, Julio IML, Jalen Walker. Mateo Jackson and Seth Natala have all played, um, have all were all highly recruited to JMU. Um, guys who have seen the field in, you know, both defense and special teams quite a bit over the last couple seasons. 
you know, I don't know if there's anybody else, but those five guys I think have to make you feel pretty comfortable about the linebacker spot this year. Uh, you know, there's no getting over, no getting around losing Tucker Dorsey. Uh, but at the same time, those five guys are, I don't know. I mean, I expect big things. From, yeah, yeah, I expect big things from, you know, Jones, IML, Walker, all those guys, right? I, I, they just, every single one of them seems like a guy who could step up and be a real star this year. Um, I, I will say, yeah. I will say Jalen Walker is one that Signetti has, mm-hmm. has enjoyed mm-hmm. seeing throughout mm-hmm. training camp. Um, Taurus Jones has been another one. Um, yeah. You know, I think, you know, typically when you think linebacker, you do think Diamante. And yeah. obviously that's not the picture. But, <laughs> um, you know, I think I think that those five are are good are a good start. Um, I don't think we'll see Seth play in against um, Middle Tennessee. Okay. Um, so I think I think with those four, though, I think at linebacker, you're still going to be pretty set. Um but I, I would I would be shocked if I don't see significant minutes from um, Jalen Walker and Torres Jones pretty early on in this season. Yeah, that's that, that seems to be. I mean, you just have to think those four, and then we're gonna we'll get to Sam Kidd and sort of the safeties later. But JMU half the time they sort of only play two tr- true linebackers anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, because um, they play more of a rover down from the safety, whether that's kid or Chuck Winecki or, you know, there are other guys who kind of come down in the box a little more. So, yeah, I mean, I think those four or five guys can, you know, let's hope they can hold up health wise and may- maybe there's somebody else who steps up too, but I feel comfortable with that group at least. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing. Okay. So we'll do the D line. I also feel yeah, comfortable. Let's do D line. Yeah. Cause I, I, I got to bounce out of here, but okay, I yeah. really would like to hear Maddie's take on the D line since yeah, she's a little so closer the- to it. <laughs> D-line is still – look, so the D-line lost a couple players in the last couple weeks um, for a variety of reasons, but they're still super deep. There's a bunch mm-hmm. of guys who have played here. There's a bunch of guys who have played college football here, even if they haven't played at JMU. Um, Isaac Ukwu, Jalen Green, like you're pretty set on the defensive end side. I've heard Signetti talk about he's had <laughs> – Good things and bad things to say about a couple of his transfers on the D-line, right? Uh, Edwards from the Marshall transfer, who Coach Stockstill from Middle Tennessee specifically brought up because he's played so well against Middle Tennessee the last couple years Mm -hmm. uh, when he's been at Marshall. And the transfer from Rutgers, um, Jamri Chroma, uh, who I think is going to slide inside because we lost Tony Thurston and now Chroma's going to play at the tackle position alongside James Carpenter, another guy that Signetti has called out for being great, who comes back this year, um, who we expect big things from. We've all seen Abby and Akonje. I, I think we're, he said they're getting funk back. I don't, you know, there's a lot of names here. <laughs> and with Uku and Green in particular, there's a lot of, ex, you know, veteran leadership and experience. Um, but what have you seen from that transfer group? Edwards, Chroma, I don't know, you know, like. Yeah, I think um, I have, I have liked what I've seen out of Edwards a little bit. Um, now I, I will say the um, Signetti has said the defensive line took a pretty hard hit with that COVID burst mm-hmm. that came through. So that, that was by far the biggest question mark. Mm-hmm. Um, 
was the fact what was okay who's going to be healthy who's not um it sounds like this last week of this last like couple days of training camp though they've had they've had the ability to do a lot more a lot more contact um which i from from you know the context and talking to signetti a little bit um he seems much more comfortable with it but you know he did say he was surprised to hear that um tyler and tony were leaving the program um you know, at the end of the day, you know, this defensive line has just solely adopted the mentality of we have to keep moving. We have to keep going. Um, and a lot of that is in part of Isaac. Um, he has really stepped up in that leadership level. I had a wonderful conversation with him back in like mid, mid, late July, I want to say. Yeah, it was just before it was just before media day. I had done like a one on one interview with him for a story that will come out on Thursday. Um, and I talked with him about, you know, his journey and everything like that, but he really has tried to embody that leadership that, you know, things are going to happen, but we have to keep moving forward mentality. Um, and I can really see that spread through the D line, at least, you know, in regards to their work ethic and things like that. Um, I will, I will say I, I have definitely been migrating down to watch the defense during practice a lot more than I have been paying attention to the offense um, <laughs> because of the fact that, you know, for, you know, 48 hours, I was, I was pretty concerned. I wasn't sure what exactly was going on with the D line. Um, right. But, you know, I think, I think going into Saturday, mm-hmm. I think they're in a good spot. I think Carpenter coming back is going to be huge for JMU. Um, yeah. I think he's an underrated defensive lineman, at least in the sure in the grand scheme of the depth that this team has at that position. Yeah. Um, so having him back healthy and playing is going to be really big. Uh, Chroma, I am interested to see in a game. I haven't, he hasn't necessarily stood out mm-hmm. to me, um, mostly just because in part with transfers, sometimes it's kind of hard for me to focus on a bunch of different things happening. And, you know, especially because yeah. there were people there, people weren't there and all that kind of stuff. So I haven't seen a lot of Chroma yet. Um, I'm excited to see what um, what will happen with Funk if he if he's getting playing time consistently. What he's yeah. going to look like. Um, a lot of the defensive line just physically looks stronger, um, yeah. and Isaac talked a lot about that about the training that they've been going through and you know putting on putting on muscle and putting and having that endurance up. They're running sprints during practice before they even start individual drills. Like they'll stretch and they'll get ready and then they'll just go straight to the end zone and just start running. Yeah. Um, which when you step up to the FBS level, you know, that physicality is a huge factor and sure. they've taken that seriously. And I think those have been some of the smaller things that have kind of shown what this D line can look like, you know, without some of the staples that people were looking forward to seeing this year. That's so good. Well, Hopefully that reassured you a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no, it did. It did. I mean, I, I think just reading all the names on there, I mean, for me, sitting down and sort of doing the research on that one, like really helped me. I was like, oh, I know some of these guys, or at least mm-hmm. I have hopes for these guys. You know, um, it didn't feel like the back end of the receiver core where I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't know any of these people. So, yeah. Um, Rob, I'll let you, Rob, do you have one thing you're most looking forward to? We won't make you stick around for corner and safety, but do you have one thing you're most looking forward to and one thing you're most concerned about this weekend? I don't know. I did we lose him? Well, maybe not. Maddie, can you still hear me? Yep, I'm all, all good. Right, we're we're good. Good. Well, we'll move right on then to um, 
so on the we'll go to corner because this okay. is the hardest one for me on the whole team. And I don't mm-hmm. know if you have any better insight than I do. Uh, I got to think some of these freshmen or the transfers are going to play um, mm-hmm. because I don't. The only name that we that fans will re, will recognize at corner for the most part is Jordan Swan, who I'm not sure is going to play much corner. He's probably going to be more in the return game. Um, last year's transfer from Maine. I don't know. I could be wrong on that. Uh, Xavier Coakley played a little bit last year, but I don't know if where he is in the pecking order. Um, they have a redshirt freshman transfer from Michigan State. They have a redshirt sophomore transfer from Virginia Tech. So that's Booth and Ransom. Mm-hmm. They have a redshirt freshman transfer Meredith from NC State. And they have a true freshman, Chauncey Logan, who I know they were really high on in the recruiting cycle. Um, are any of the, like, do we have any sense if those are the guys that might play <laughs> at this position? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I what what is so interesting to me with corners is that, at least for me, I have had my vision of what a true cornerback looks like, very much shaped by how I was raised as an NFL fan. Yeah. Um, that shifted a little bit once I got to college. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I started paying attention to, I was not here when he played, but I learned a little bit more about corner by watching Jimmy Moreland. Jimmy. Yeah. Um, which I say that and everyone's like, yes, Jimmy. Um, <laughs> I know. Jimmy uh, but, and Rashad Robinson. I mean, they've just had so many good players at that position. Yeah. And then this year we're like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I think, yeah. I think one that, I, I am interested to see how often he plays, but um, Devin Coles, you know, okay. he was a transfer from mm-hmm. Norfolk State, so he's he's going to be playing his he's going to oh, be playing yeah. his old team in about a week in about a week and a half yep. now. But um, he was a 2019 FCS fourth team freshman All American. Nice. Um, so he's got he's got the he's got the experience under his belt. Um, mm-hmm. He had 11 career starts at corner. Good. So I think he'll be I think he'll be interested. Good. interesting to see how much playing time he gets um mm-hmm. i don't necessarily know in regards to what his recruitment process looked like yeah but i think that that is probably one player that i would say i'd be interested to see yeah. where he could fit in the lineup in regards to corners um mm-hmm. and so I, but to me i've always seen cornerbacks if you build them right they're a lot like safeties where or at least a yep. safety like sam kid mm-hmm. where you could put them on linebacker you can put them in corner you can put them in safety and they fit that like physical stature really well um because to me a good a good linebacker corner or safety you know can play all three of those um Mm -hmm. and so at least that's my perspective on how how i view that kind of that side of the field a little bit so i i definitely think that corners are corners to me are like the tight ends of the defense in regards to like what i'm expecting i'm kind of I'm I'm interested to see what two deep will look like when that when that is yeah, revealed because I think that will answer a lot of questions that I certainly have, but also I think questions that a lot of people that are listening and I'm sure you as well also have. Yeah, I don't know. I think we all are kind of just wondering and 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 I, I just I can't help thinking. I mean, D line that we just talked about, they're they're going to be so. I wonder how JMU is going to approach defensive game planning this year because they mm-hmm. can't leave they can't leave those corners out there with their lack of experience for five or six seconds on a play. Um, they're you know it, it wouldn't surprise me if we see some more pressure than we're used to from this team. Like I, I feel like in terms last, of like stunts and stuff. Or? Yeah, I just have felt like the last couple of years JMU's just been you know nine times out of ten they're just a better team and they're able to like 
just play their base defense and dare you to do anything where, you know, they haven't had to rush the quarterback like with extra guys that often, right? They might do it on third down or here and there, but it, you know, well, they, they, they've had guys that could just beat their man one-on-one. Yes. Yeah. Or beat, or, or, now or I feel like draw a double team. You know? They can't leave those corners isolated out there for too long. And so I, I feel like you got to give them some help. Like most of those guys I think are talented enough probably if they, you know, if they only have to cover for three seconds, they're probably okay. Um, but so that'll be interesting to see. Uh, the safety position is a weird one for me because I heard Coach Signetti say that they were looking for help at safety. Um, but there's a lot of guys coming back with some significant experience. Uh, we talked about Chuck Winecki, Sam Kidd. I think him and Uku, you know, arguably the kind of leaders of the defense. Uh, Q Reed played a lot of good minutes last year. Uh, they have a transfer from Arkansas State. That will be interesting because there will be a return game for him in a f- halfway through the season or so. Um, Surratt, Meehan, both, pl- you know, there's a bunch of names of guys who played a good bit last year. So, um, you know, I imagine Kid, Chuck Winecki, and Reed all are in the starting lineup um, with Kid almost more of a rover than a true safety. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I don't, behind them, I don't know the order. But as much as Signetti was like concerned about safety, to me it seemed like ah oh, these guys have experience; they're probably okay at safety. So I don't know, I don't know if I'm missing out on an injury or something. But I feel pretty confident in that one. You know, I think I'm, I I feel pretty confident in the depth of mm-hmm. JMU safety. Um, I think you know I think when you have somebody like Sam Kidd, who Signetti was talking about today, actually. Yeah. Um, he was saying, you know, he's a dependable person. He compared, he compared Sam to Chris Thornton in that like dependability, that ready to go mentality and things like that. Um, so if that's a little bit of insight on, you know, the type of player that and leader that Sam is, there you go. Mm -hmm. Um, but so I, I think for me, what made me feel the most confident in the safety depth, um, Mm -hmm. was a couple practices ago. I think it was about a week ago now. It was, it was, it was during breeze camp. So it was before classes had started at this point. Um, but I was at practice and I was watching the safeties and all of a sudden they bring a giant mat out and they're just working on low, low dives to grab the ball and things like that. And they are just laughing (laughs) and goofing around and having fun with it. Um, and, and it wasn't like they weren't working. They definitely were, but it was, it was fun to watch them, you know, compete with each other a little bit, see who could make the better catch and things like that. Um, and enjoy the fun of that drill. I don't know why that sticks out to me as such, like such a, like a confident, like a confidence booster in, Mm -hmm. in what the safeties look like. But I think that they, they understand what their job is. Um, especially, you know, having a potentially more, more of that Rover style defense. Um, particularly when you have somebody like Sam kid that can really hone in on that Rover position. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, out of all of the all of the defensive positions, I think I uh, I think fans probably can feel the most comforted in that safety spot, regardless of who is where. Good, yeah, no, that's good to know. Um, and then the only other three players worth mentioning here, um, we know Kyle Davis is up for long snapper of the year. Well, there's more players <laughs> worth mentioning. We don't. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> way more players. players. You know what I mean? Positions yeah. here on special teams. Um, the three, you know, the true specialist here. Um, the, probably the most veteran player on the whole team is the long snapper Kyle Davis. Uh, we think Cam Wise is going to be kicking. 
Uh, I don't know who's going to punt here. Is it Ritter or Madden, maybe? Um, well, you also have Sam Clark in the mix okay. here, too, who's the senior that transferred from Sacramento State. Oh, good. All right. So he's, he's, uh, he's also an Aussie. So Oh, there we go. So there's your, uh, there's your Aussie tradition. Again, you know, yes. still, still alive a little bit on the JMU roster after Harry O'Kelly graduated. Um, uh, but that is, that is a battle that I have noticed no JMU fans have talked about. Now, granted, it's the punter position. JMU has a history of, you know, having a stopwatch of how long it's going to be before Signetti sends Harry O'Kelly out onto the field. Um, and that's been a tradition since I've been a student here. But, uh, you know, I think that, I think that all three, you know, have, yeah. have their own, have their own style. Um, obviously when you have that Australian route, like Sam Clark has, and you yeah. have a little bit more of that rugby base, uh -huh. than you do the traditional American football. I think yeah. it, I think it presents a little bit, of a different style um yep. now for jmu that style is probably a familiarity to the special teams unit because of harry i don't think it's going to be much of a shift if right. ritter or madden were to take that starting right. job um but no i mean i think that that is a quietly underrated battle yeah. that just nobody's <laughs> really acknowledged at least from what i have seen um but I, yeah, I mean, special teams is going to be special teams is going to be pretty set. It's going to be pr pretty straightforward aside the punter position. Um, I know Signetti was happy to have Connor Madden back after he didn't play last mm -hmm. season, um, and good. so that was good to hear from him. Um, but you know, I mean, Kyle Davis is going to be Kyle Davis. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody has to worry about him. Um, How's what? I, I you know I. We don't. Th a lot of the media do not get the opportunity to see special teams <laughs> during practice. I will be totally honest there. Yeah. Um. Now, I think what fans should do is do their best to not compare Wise to Ratke. Um yeah. <laughs> They're two entirely different players and two entirely different people. Um. And so, without really seeing too much, I would say don't don't compare. And I say that from somebody that is a former athlete and does not like comparison right um but when you have somebody that has the reputation that is ethan ratke it's hard to uphold and i know that for that sure. kicker that kicker position is historic for jmu in recent years to just yeah. be insanely good um yeah. <laughs> yeah. and so you know if i'm if i'm if i'm camden i'm a little nervous but yeah. i think that i i think that in regards to jmu having a kicker i don't i don't see an issue mm -hmm. at all um so, yeah, I mean, I think special teams is going to be pretty sad. I don't necessarily see any sort of issue, problems, anything that would cause commotion, per okay. se. It will yeah. be interesting, though, to see who, you know, coming off of Ratke's career at JMU, where he was, you know, as accurate as anybody there's ever been, made so many big kicks. Um, it took his lumps early in his career, but really battled back and earned his spot. But those are tough shoes to fill. I mean, kicker's a lonely mm -hmm. position to begin with. It's yeah. a lot of eyes on you. You know, Racky became quite popular for some big kicks, but more often than not, kickers are kind of just afterthoughts or, or some We're going to have a lot more close games now, too. Yeah. These mm -hmm. kicking and punting things yeah. are going to matter. You know, like. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. stakes are going to be really high. And like you said earlier, this isn't going to be your typical week one, 68 to 10. You know, you, you, you need to make these big kicks. So it's a lot of pressure on somebody yeah. but I'm, I'm kind of excited to watch it i think it it's cool and 
when the stakes are higher, everything just makes it more fun. But that's a big one. I think everybody's talking about the loss of Tucker, Tucker Dorsey and mm-hmm. Wells, but Racky's a big loss too. Oh, know? the Racky O'Kelly combination for me, both. I mean, just, just knowing how big like field position, making a 38 yard kick before halftime, like yeah. the little things this year, you know, like there's going to be a lot of like 13, 10 halftime scores this year instead of JMU 28, Towson seven, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, like where we're just like going through the motions, you know? And yeah, like if you're down 13, seven and you just, we got a chance to make a 45 yarder at the gun, like that's a big deal you know, going into the half or something like that. I just, I keep, yeah, those are going to be big, big things to watch this year. Um, but good luck to those guys. Cause I, yeah, there's, they're very hard to predict. <laughs> so, yeah. Rob, I know you have to uh, vacate for your ch- children to go to bed. Oh no, I left and came back. That's what oh, I was good. All right. Excellent. <laughs> Oh, good. You're back in here. Did you see the chat? I was like, guys, I I got to split. I I thought you were just back for the moment. All right, cool. No, no, I'm back. We're good to go. All right. Well, I realized this amazing thing that um, my laptop can be moved. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I was like, I'm done. Then then my wife was like, oh, you're going to the basement? I was like, oh, yeah. 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 So I just, I went on mute for 20 minutes there and then bounced back. All right. Well, that was a pretty good run through the roster um, where I got to betray my ignorance on a few positions. Um, Thank you, Maddie, for the big, big assist on this. Um, Now we get to move into actual game talk. Uh, I'm so excited that this is finally here. I know we all are. Um, Middle Tennessee State Blue Raiders coming to JMU. Uh, This was was the biggest uh, game in terms of scheduling for JMU to get the all-FBS schedule this year. Um, This was the one they were waiting on, and I just am delighted that we have a real game for Labor Day weekend at home, we're not going to get killed by a bigger team or bringing in a smaller team to kill. Um, really excited about this. Uh, so I was wondering what you two, and Rob, you go first on this one. Um, what is the thing you're most looking forward to this week, sort of in an excited way? And what's the thing you're most nervous about this week um, in the first game at FBS level? Well, I'll say um, yeah. in regards in regards to your comment about yeah. – Middle Tennessee being the biggest, uh, the biggest piece of JMU's schedule. Yeah. Um, just really quickly, yeah. I was in the Carrier Library Starbucks when that broke, oh, and I was with Savannah because the two of us have a bunch of classes together, have mm-hmm. all through college. Um, but I, I looked down at my phone and I looked back at her, and I've done this multiple times where I'll see breaking news and I'll look at it and double take the news and then look at Savannah. And, kind of make an make a look at her and like hey check your phone mm-hmm. um and i looked at her and i was like who's middle tennessee state and why is jamie scheduling them and it yeah. took me like probably four or five minutes to put the pieces together yeah. and the sole reasoning behind that was because i at the time i like i hadn't I, i'll be honest i hadn't had a coffee yet so it was probably like, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning. I had just finished a 9.30, like a 9.15 a.m. class. I was a little tired. Yep. And I just was like, who's Middle Tennessee? And then finally I saw the full press release. I was like, oh, okay, this is important. Now I know where we're going with this. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, in That's looking funny. at what, what I'm excited about and what I'm nervous about, yep. I'm excited that JMU is bringing in a team that won a bowl game. They won the yes, Bahamas Bowl. They did. I'm 31-24 over Toledo. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm also nervous that JMU is starting the season with a team that won a bowl won game. A bowl game, right? Yes. 
so because yeah. I, I think I think because fans can be excited because they can immediately you know see what JMU will look like next to a team that has successfully played and won in a bowl game and mind you one that people know very well um, mm-hmm. and I have a feeling a lot of JMU fans are hoping JMU will play in very soon um, yeah now where it makes it a little bit more nerve-wracking for fans is that like I said, you're playing a team that's won, that won a bowl game. They're going on. They're going yeah. into this season. They they went. They finished seven and seven and six, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, what if JMU goes out there and it's not? You know, it's mm-hmm. JMU is the one that's down by twenty one at the half. Right. Um, and I think that that is where those are the biggest. Those are the biggest like oh no's. Right. Um, because I I don't think JMU fans are wanting to walk into Bridgeport Stadium on Saturday and look at the halftime score and it is the exact opposite of what JMU has done to its visitors for the last how many odd years now. Yeah. Um and so at least from that perspective th- those would be the two. I think it's an immediate test the JMU mm-hmm. fans are going to really like but at the same time if it goes south quickly I think that it's going to be it's going to be a shell shock that's going to freak a lot of fans out and I, so I think that those that's going to be a huge, huge telltale. Yeah. Um, that those are both. Yeah. I think it's true. I, I hope they don't have so many, like, I hope it's not a nervous game entirely. Right. It's the first game of the year for both teams. There's going to be some nerves early. There's probably going to be some mistakes, um, but I hope it doesn't get away from them early because I feel like they, you know, there is going to be a big hyped up crowd and everybody's going to be excited for this. Um, so those are, that's a good one. Also, a couple more notes on Middle Tennessee um, from last year. Yeah, won the Bahamas Bowl. They of relevance to JMU fans. They lost to Old Dominion in late in the season when ODU had their little run of success. Uh, they beat Monmouth fifty to fifteen. So very similar score. Um, that was the opening game of their season last year. Very similar to JMU's playoff beating of Monmouth back in the I think that was the spring season. Um, Rick Stockstill, fourth longest co- tenured coach at FBS, seventeenth uh, year at the helm there. I think his kid is the uh, is one of the assistant coaches. Um, there's been a lot of shade thrown at Middle Tennessee from our uh, I don't know friends, mentors over at Split Zone Duo about like this is the sleepiest program at the FBS level. They just <laughs> seem to be con- just in the sense that like they're not good and they're not bad. They're like okay. Like they go seven and six and win the Bahamas Bowl, um, and their they coach beat Marshall for, last year. I mean, they did, and they, but their coach has been there for seventeen years, and there's a little bit of like, what are we do? Like, are we trying to be better, or are we just maybe that's okay, right? They kind of look like the Washington Wizards of conference. They do. Right? They're very know, content kind of, to be like the seven seed and just kind yeah. of hang around. Yeah, I like that um, analogy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do know um, they have a really good center, um, Jordan Palmer, and they have a veteran quarterback Chase Cunningham who is coming back he got injured they were he had played well early in the season last year got injured um, and is back looking like the starter this year they have an incredible player on the defense at the defensive end position Jerome Ferguson uh, so the offensive line is going to be tested right away I think um, largely due to Ferguson's efforts um, but they lost they had a couple of really good players on defense last year they led the nation in turnovers. Uh, turnovers forced last year on defense Uh, they did lose a ton on the back end of their defense so like in the linebacking and defensive backfield so it'll be kind of interesting to see um how jmu matches up 
I think Madison touched on something that's interesting though. Like I'm very curious to see how our fan base reacts when we inevitably have games where it just isn't there. You know, she mentioned like what happens if we go in down three touchdowns at halftime that never really happened at the FCS level. I mean, you can talk Mm -hmm. about that New Hampshire game that got away Mm -hmm. from JMU a few years ago. And then, the Colgate disaster, but otherwise like Jamie has lost games at the FCS level, but there were never just regular season games where you went in there and things just didn't go your way. Yeah. That's bound to happen with the move to FBS. And I'm mm-hmm. not saying like Jamie's not going to be competitive this year, but let's say Jamie's very good and they're a solid team and they're winning seven, eight games a year. There's still going to be games where just, it ain't there. It happens to mm-hmm. everybody save Alabama, Georgia and Clemson, you know, like, yeah. And I, I'm kind of scared when you talk about things that I'm worried about. Yeah. I'm worried about how our fan base reacts to the realities of FBS college football. Yes. You know, like <laughs> we're not, we can't just, you know, go, oh, well, 11 and 0, 10 and 1 at the war. You know, that's well, not realistic. We, we can be very competitive. And App State has charted this course of success um, that everybody thinks we can just immediately replicate. Mm-hmm. I hope we can. I hope Jamie can be very competitive from day one. I hope that they have a winning record this year and we're all happy and, you know, oh, we're complaining that we should have been bowl eligible or something like that. Um, the reality is we just don't know what it's going to take. And mm-hmm. there are going to be times when JMU can't just count on eventually being better at, you know, at all 11 positions on the field. Yes. Like we could yeah. a lot of games at the FCS. So that's my big concern is like, the team yeah. needs to transition. The program needs to transition and make the move to FBS. So do we as fans, if, if that makes any sense. Like yeah. we need to really adjust our expectations. We need to be every bit as passionate and as excited for the wins. And you and I, I mean, the, the two of you and I, I'm sure we'll be just mm-hmm. as disappointed some Sundays. We can be upset, but like, are we going to be one of these sky is falling fan bases? Like if we go six and five this year, to me, that would be pretty good. Really good. But there will be people calling for Signetti's head. Um, So it's just, I'm, when you talk about things that I'm excited about, I'm excited about this being the first FBS game. I echo everything Maddie said. Like, I think it's kind of the perfect opponent because it's not a pushover. Um, It's not a team that you're going to get your doors blown off, but it's a legitimate win if JMU pulls it off. Yeah. And nothing to say like, oh, we're here. We're, we're ready to go. Like you don't get too far ahead of yourself. You don't freak out if you lose. It's the appropriate temperature, you know, they're down in. But I'm really worried about how we're going to deal with just the inevitability of <laughs> there's going to be days where you just, you lose to a team you shouldn't lose to and things go wrong. And that hasn't yeah. happened in a long time. It hasn't even been something any of us have been really concerned about. So, yeah, no, those are good ones. Um, I've already covered mine. Um, I'm really excited about the lines, the offensive defensive line, particularly the FCS, the guys who were FCS. Good. I think about the gambling line. No, uh, we'll get to the gambling <laughs> line in a second. No, the offensive defensive lines. Um, I'm really nervous about can we cover anyone, mm-hmm. and if if we can't cover anyone, can we get to the quarterback fast enough to mitigate that? Um, so, and and then I'm nervous about the kicking game, but I'm always nervous about the kicking game. So. Yeah, the line is JMU favored by five as of today, which is seems high seems, to me, but I'll take it. I guess it's the whole – I mean, three of those points are for being at home. So, you know, it, it's about what we thought, pretty close to an even matchup. Um, yeah, we'll see. Still the over-unders. seems kind of generous for a team that hasn't named a starting quarterback. 
and hasn't ever played an FBS game. Yeah, I, I agree. So, um, I don't know. Do you guys have any? Do we want to do predict? Well, we can say predict. Yeah, yeah. Let's do the prediction on this game because we really got a couple. Then we can get to the season prediction. Um, do either of you guys have thoughts on this, M- Madison? You don't have to share this if you have a uh, if you're saving this for a freeze thing. <laughs> you know? I don't know if there's some kind of competition that you guys have in the paper. Well, well so we do we do have a competition in the paper. It is not in regards to actually picking a score though. We do okay. ed, we it's editors picks. So okay. this year the lineup is myself, Savannah, yeah. um, my co-editor Grant, one of the copy editors, her all her name's also Madison. Okay. Um, Josh Dixon, who is the sports reporter for Breeze TV, and then our editor in chief Charlotte. So it's the six of us. And um, Grant and I will alternate who picks the games this week. It's me. And we'll go and I'll pick anywhere between five to six different games happening. I, I try to keep it all college games. JMU Middle Tennessee will definitely be one of them. We, mm-hmm. we always pick JMU games. Um, and so it's always, always entertaining to see who's going to be the first person that picks against, picks against JMU. Yeah. Always entertaining. <laughs> um, and so those, the, that's our, like, one competition. Um, going back to your earlier point, though, yep. about fan reactions, I think it's also something worth mentioning. The student fan base is going to be very telling these first two weeks. Yeah. And I've had multiple conversations with people about this. Um, I actually had a conversation with a fellow student that um, they're involved in Greek life and everything. And they're specifically working with their Greek organization to make sure that their entire group stays the entire first two games. Woohoo! All right. <laughs> I, and I, I, I asked, I asked them. I was like, I, and I, and I said, why is that? And he explained. He's like, I'm, I was. He, he had said, you know, I, I'm a huge, I'm a huge NFL fan. Um, he's gone to NFL games for years, and then all this stuff. And one of the things that he always, they, they always said to me was that, you know, it didn't matter if my team was up by 45, down by 45. It was 20 below zero or mm-hmm. 110. You stuck it out the entire game. And, and so he's not a Washington fan. That's what no, we're talking about. Sounds like a no, Packers not a Washington fan. fan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a Steelers or Packers fan there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Bills. Yeah. Um, yeah. hey, don't be don't be hitting on the Bills mafia. No, no, I'm, I'm giving I, them, I say I, it's a slight Bills fan. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm I'm giving them credit here. I'm like, a Bills fan would never leave. Um, <laughs> but yeah. but no, I mean, but but that's the that's the thing is that JMU, because of the dominant games mm-hmm. that they've played so early in the year, they have this, you know, culture of, you know, okay, we're up by 23. I'm going to go get dinner. I'm going to go do yeah. homework. I highly doubt a lot of people are going to do homework if they're leaving a football <laughs> game early. But point still seems. Yes. Um, and so and that's that's going to be my prediction is I, I think it will be very, very telling of the student of the student body what they expect and what they see out of this. FBS move with how many of them stick around regardless of the score because I think I think if it's anywhere between three to fourteen points whether Jamie's mm-hmm. up or down I think mm-hmm. you're going to see a, I think you're not going to see a lot of people moving I, I really yeah. don't oh, um, anything more than that yeah we'll yeah. we'll we'll see we'll see yeah. at that point particularly with the six o'clock kickoff yeah, yeah. Like, but that's like I, you've got to do it Harrisonburg in September. Or, what will be Labor September? Day, it's going to be hot. Yeah. It's going to be hot. It's going to be really hot. So you can't do like a one o'clock or three o'clock kickoff, but those are really much better, I think, for student attendance. The six o'clock, I, I can see if it's not a compelling game, people want to get on with their Saturday night, but that'd be fantastic. If there's, you know, the student section, if it's still packed 
well into the fourth quarter. If, that if we have half of the maybe. student section in the fourth quarter, I'll be <laughs> yeah. delighted. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Really, because I, I think, I mean, the game's almost sold out already. Like, I'm mm-hmm. not worried about the home side of the stadium. Like, people are in it, right? I mean, Rob, you and I, our own friends, like, people are excited for this, what this game means, right? Regardless of opponent. I still think um, it's big on the home side that it appears to be that close to a sellout and what is a four day weekend for most school. Yeah. Labor Day is a hard weekend for, for this kind of thing. Yeah. yeah so I'm, I'm, a, it's awesome. And uh, just seeing, I, you know, seeing already what they've done for the Marshall game is also really exciting looking down the road. So really good stuff. Rob, do you have a prediction for this weekend? Do we know yet? Or do you want to just save that for the, for the website? If we can remember the password. Oh, let's be honest, dude. We're not. We're not writing anything. I'm gonna we're write kidding. a preview. I'm gonna write a preview. Uh, oh man, what what day is today? Monday. We got to write that thing about Thursday. Yes. Yeah, I, I'm cautiously optimistic. I'll just put it I that way. I, I was yeah. kind of worried, and hearing, particularly tonight, about the D line and and mm-hmm. the offensive line more so. Mm-hmm. I feel like JMU's ready to do this. I just hope the moment isn't too big. Uh, That's what I hope. I hope they can get through the nerves of the first half and mm-hmm. be. I just hope they're not down 17 at the half because they like fumbled twice and you know, something awful happened, right? They had three targeting calls or something, Yeah, you know, like I, that's what I hope too. Cause I think if they can get through the first half, um, I, I mean, we've seen them. we saw this group. I mean, some parts of this group, we've seen them at West Virginia two year, two or three years ago. Right. I mean, Solomon Van Horst scored a touchdown up there, or maybe that was Austin Douglas. Who's, just scored a million touchdowns for Mercer the other night. Yeah. Um, but like we've seen guys, I mean, I, I just, to me, it seems like this offensive line, this running back group, like Percy can score touchdowns against middle Tennessee state. Like I, I'm confident of that, you know, like I, I, there's not a lot else that I'm sure of, but like that part, I think we can do well, you know, Ukwu kid, Taurus Jones, these guys can get to the quarterback at some point. You know, like there's plays to be made out there. Um, yeah. What so gets I, me though is just like it, it. This is a transition year and everything, but if we were still FCS, mm-hmm. this would be a big scalp. So right now, I'm worried. Like everybody's like, "Oh, well, we better get off and start one and zero." But if this was FCS, and basically this is an FCS recruited roster, if you guys understand, yeah, yeah. you know, like we still we'd be bragging about knocking off an FBS team. Like sure. So, if we weren't moving forward to the Sun Belt, this would be one like, oh, hope we can pull off the upset. And now I think like a lot of the fan base is going the other direction of like, oh, I hope we start one. No, you know, we better not screw it up. And so yeah. it's just, it's, it's weird that you can say week <laughs> one is a trap game, but right. it seems like a little bit of a trap game. I know, I know. This is going to be, take some getting used to. Yeah. On, on that note, um, do either of you guys have season predictions here? Um, what you're thinking, Rob? I, I think JMU wins this week. Um, but you know, would it surprise? Nothing would surprise me. So <laughs> that's what that's what I'll say. Um, they play eleven games this year. I looked at it, Rob. It's hard for me to come down anywhere but six and five. Um, I was going to say six and five or or five and six. You know, plus yeah, or minus one game. And I was going to say six and five is even a little bit on the positive side. Mm-hmm. I, I think JMU, if they win this week, I think they can get two of the first. I mean, they should beat Norfolk State. So. Yeah, they, they they're you know it, whatever happens against App would be a bonus, um, but assuming they are two out of those three, it's the next three that were the ones you're talking about, Rob. Where so they're 
JMU's next three after App are Texas State, Arkansas State, and Georgia Southern. Three games that JMU could be favored in all three. But at this level, could lose all that three. doesn't mean you're going to win all yeah. three. Like, they'd be pretty good to just win two out of those three would be pretty good spot. And that would get you to four and two. And then you're kind of – then they have the real hard part of the schedule, um, I, I think, where they have Marshall, Louisville, and Old Dominion um, three straight weeks. And in that case, I think you'd be happy to get two of those. You'd be ha- delighted to get two of three, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, and then the last two, we'll see where we are. Um, I think they could be, you know, they're both at home at the end of the season. So that helps a lot. Um, but yeah, I kind of felt like you. And, and I realized that anywhere between four and seven wins. Is That's like, a success to me. Me too. Like, I'm yeah. like, I, if they're less than four, I would have real... I'd, I'd be pretty disappointed, but I'm going to try to keep my head on straight if they're four, five, six wins. Um, Particularly you know, if, if they, one of those four was was an upset. You know, yeah, if, if one they was get App Coastal or Louisville, or App yeah, or Louisville, if they were to get Coastal or App or Louisville, I yeah, those would really help. Um, would really, really, really like to beat ODU. Um, that that's I think a one. lot of people agree with you on that statement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't think you're alone in that one at no, all. <laughs> no, I mean, I personally, I, I just assume beat at, but the ODU one, we need to get that out of the way. Um, yeah. And then anything over seven wins would be almost miraculous. Oh, yeah. Me, right. Would seem I'm buying like a home run. Right. <laughs> I would be, right. Exactly. Like, yeah. I, yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Madison, I don't know if you guys have thought, talked about that in the newsroom at all, but like, it, that's it's an unusual thing to get your head around that like five or six wins would be a really good season. Seven would be great. You know, <laughs> like, well, this is unprecedented. Like they're, they're doing the transition in one year. It's not mm-hmm. this half FCS, half B- FBS schedule that most teams do. So this is just ripping the bandaid off and like, Hey, now we're FBS. So that's cool in a lot of ways. Um, it's, it's kind of risky in some <laughs> sense, you know, <laughs> But yeah, it, if you've got expectations like we do, Todd, I agree with you. Like four wins would be huge if they're playing well. If they start off like 4-0 and then tank, that's bad. Like there's all these caveats. But yeah. anywhere between four and seven, I think is indicating like, okay, they're doing this unprecedented move and they're competing week in and week out. That would be the takeaway for me and that would be a success. And yeah. I think that's exactly what I think that's exactly what I see it as. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, now, now, if you look at it, you know, two FBS wins, you know, there's JMU history right there. Right. Um, yes, and so, and so, in exactly. reality, to me, the bar is already a little lower than where I see my own bar for this team. Gotcha. Um, in regards to how JMU could stack up in its own program history, I think four to seven wins is realistic. I. I, I have said this before. I'll say it again. I will be pleasantly surprised with JMU with four or five wins. Um, mm-hmm. I think if they mm-hmm. make if they make that six, and you start seeing people get annoyed with NCAA regulations that JMU <laughs> can't play in a bowl game, I think we I think Signetti and Jeff Bourne are doing some really good things. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, but well, you know, Jamie Twitter that, would I, be yeah. uns- insufferable in a good way. <laughs> If that happens. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I'd also yeah. love if they got to five and five where that last game against Coastal, like you're playing for the what 20 straight years of winning records, like yeah. that would be, you know, that would be really cool. And that would be like something that I think the fan base would like. That would be our bowl game. 
you know. Particularly well, if Coastal's good game. and there's still Heisman talk for their quarterback. Yeah, if, if McCall's well, back healthy and Coastal's good, yeah, exactly. It's well, Thanksgiving with that weekend. game, there's, mm-hmm. there's so much more involved with that game than oh, yeah. meets the eye. Because we can, we can sit here and talk predicting records and Heisman's all we want. But, I mean, if you look at the facts, that's, you know, two days after Thanksgiving, how many yeah. people are going to be, you know, drivable to Harrisonburg. Now, the 12 days out game time thing might make things a little bit easier in regards to planning. Yeah. Um, but you know, 12 days out, you know, you could say, oh, well, let's see how JMU does against Georgia State. Well, they lose to Georgia State, so you're looking at, you know, five and five going to Coastal Carolina. You know, if I'm a JMU fan and I, you know, want to see that, yeah, I'm I'm make I'm finding a way to get to Harrisonburg, despite yeah. the fact that it's one, an extremely busy time on 81 that Saturday, mm-hmm. um, regardless of what time of day you decide to drive down 81. Um, but two, at the same time, like you mentioned, I mean, that's going to be the equivalent of a bowl game for yeah. Daniel at yeah. that point. Um, so, and, and Coastal's not going to be a simple, straightforward game, no, no. no matter which way you put it, regardless if Grayson McCall is playing or not. That's right. not going to be a straightforward game. Um, in my opinion, that's probably the toughest game that JMU will have to play. Now, multiple factors are involved in that statement including the fact that it's you know two days after thanksgiving so yeah Yeah. we don't know how many fans are going to be in town are going to be wanting to make that drive um so to me that that makes it a little bit harder so Mm -hmm. i i think in reality there are going to be bigger wins in regards to making the step forward in the program but i i can't really sit here and say that Coastal Carolina is going to be the end-all be-all of this season. Oh, to no. me, the biggest game, to me, the biggest game early on in the schedule is probably App State. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, the yeah. One, that's the one I'm particularly excited for my four-hour drive down 81 is going to be. Uh, it's a fun um, place to see a game, too. I, I'm yeah. very excited. I'm very excited to see Boone, North Carolina. I've heard a lot of good yeah. things about it. Um, yeah. I am personally very, very excited for that Louisville game. We were talking about it beforehand, but yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm excited. My whole family is going to be down there with my little sister on the cheer team. So yeah. I, have, I do have a little bit of a personal stake in that game, though. I, I will say I am biased in saying I'm excited for that game because of my personal stake. Yeah, that's good. That's but awesome. I think yeah. I think that'll be a really fun game. It is a little bit later in the season, but to me, that probably is the one that I am most excited for. I still think that coastal game will be fun. The App State game will be fun. ODU is going to be fun just because of the in-state. Oh, we're yeah. better that's... than you. That to me, that's like the that's like two middle siblings that are deciding which one is considered older. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, t- like to me, that's what it is. Because when you when you look at the grand scheme of the four major universities in the state of Virginia, you got Virginia Tech, UVA, JMU, ODU. Where do JMU and ODU fit in that ranking? I think this game is going to decide that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. Oh, it's going to be so – that schedule makes me so happy. Um, speaking <laughs> of schedule, um, we wanted to hit on two more things before we go. Uh, JMU announced a bunch of games. Uh, we don't have to go through them all, but I will say I was really pleased. Uh, so the schedule, the out-of-conference the out schedule is full next year. So we know about the UVA game, but they host Bucknell, so they'll have their first game next year will be their FCS game. Um, which is probably nice before the trip to UVA. Uh, but they put, so they have Bucknell, they go to Miami of Ohio, which is, so that, that's the start of a home and home um, mm-hmm. with Miami of Ohio, you know, 2023. And then will, Jamie will host in 2026. 
I think that's a very reasonable team to be scheduling a Mac team that, you know, it's a winnable game. Like it's, I'm not saying it's a guarantee, but it's a good, you know, it's a legitimate, it's a legitimate win, legitimate win. And it's a drivable game for both teams that, you know, it's not terrible. And then they play um, UConn at home next year. Mm -hmm. So that's a really fun, you know, regardless of UConn's good or bad, you know, where they stand in the world. um, A lot of us old JMU fans, um, have some history with UConn as an old conference mate. Yankee um, back, Were yeah, they yeah, Yankee yeah. or Atlantic 10? Um, I think both, maybe. Yeah. So, um, And just, a, you know, that's a fun game to come. And, and JMU goes to UConn in 2026. So, again, a winnable game against, an, you know, a name brand team, even if they're not particularly good right now. Um, I think that's good. The 2024, they have a home-and-home with Charlotte. I think that's absolutely great. Uh, one thing I love about the Charlotte series in 2024 is they go to Charlotte and that's week one, that's Labor Day weekend. Um, so as we know, Delvin, Tim, our whole crew, in there's a huge JMU contingent in Charlotte, mm-hmm. Justin. Justin, um, yeah. yeah. like that's going to be really fun for the sort of Charlotte, Atlanta, Chattanooga crew down there. Um, they get Gardner-Webb as their FCS game and they – they have a home game against Ball State. Shouts to JMU swag. I know Sarah is very excited. She's the only person in the world that is a um, a family divided between JMU and Ball State. Um, that's really good. Madison, uh, Sarah is one of our oldest, uh, I don't know, friends we've made through doing this thing. <laughs> and, okay. And, yeah, is what sits with us in section, whatever we are, 210, um, most games. Yeah, and then... Uh, in really cool news, they play open 2027 season at Maryland, uh, which is a really fun Labor Day game. Another winnable game. I'm Another winnable yeah. game. Yes, we'll, we'll see. Maryland kind of making some strides right now. They but are. Yes. They are. But, and look, that's a really fun Labor Day game with our enormous alumni base in the D.C. area. Um, it's been a while since we played Maryland. We used to play Maryland, it seemed like, pretty regularly um, as our FBS game. And that should be a fun one. So, and then the last thing I wanted to hit on was week one in the Sun Belt is incredible. So I don't know which games you're picking, Madison, in the paper, but first of all, UNC goes to App State to start to, to uh, open the season in Boone. And it's um, sold out. And it's, oh, of course it's sold it's, out. It's, it's sold out I mean, too, these, which, I, you know. I can tell you <laughs> as a former resident of that state, um, I can tell you, and just with lots of app people in my life, um, this is a huge, huge deal down there. Oh, yeah. And, and and for me personally, I mean, App is really, you know, they play Carolina and Texas A&M in the first three weeks. Get one of those, they're probably in the New Year's Six conversation. Get both of them, they're in the playoff discussion, like immediately. Um, they're probably the highest ranked group of five team. They're certainly the highest ranked Sunbelt team coming into the year. Uh, really excited about that. Uh, really cool game. So, and and for all the people, these are these are home games, by the way. UNC goes to App. Army, they hosted Miami a couple of years ago. They didn't did. They? Army goes to Coastal this week. Um, Virginia Tech goes to Old Dominion this week. <laughs> um, these are like those are really fun. I mean, I you know I got my feelings on Tech and Old Dominion, but come on, that's awesome. You know, <laughs> like. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's really cool. Uh, Georgia State goes to South Carolina, uh, home of former JMU receiver Antoine Wells. Uh, we'll get a look at uh, a solid Georgia State team. 
a really strong Troy team. I think the favorite in the West for those people that are paying attention um, with all that Louisiana has lost. Uh, Troy goes to Ole Miss to open the season. Uh, Monroe goes to Texas this week. Uh, Liberty goes to Southern Miss. Come on, Southern Miss. You can Go do this. Southern Miss. You can yeah. do this, Southern <laughs> Miss. Right. You can do this. And then another sneaky good game, kind of like the JMU and Middle Tennessee game, um, Texas State goes to Nevada. And I just mean that in the sense that um, in terms of like group of five conference bragging rights, you know, would be nice to win a game at a Mountain West team, just like I think, you know, Conference USA is going to make a – they're going to make a big deal if Liberty or – uh, Middle Tennessee win at Southern Miss or JMU this week, you know, and uh, would would really like to see, would really like to see the Dukes, you know, Dukes do their part this week. So that's pretty cool. I mean, those are the kind of games we're looking around the conference and seeing that people are playing. Those are great, right? That's a great slate of Sunbelt games. And it's so exciting to think like, I'm not going to be like having to go down like seven layers on the ESPN website to find out how like Maine or, Stony Brook did this weekend, you know, like, it's really nice to be like, oh, they're just going to be on the bottom of the television, you know, like, well, I can hear the excitement in your voice, just like, just thinking about it. Like, I can hear the excitement Mm -hmm. that you guys have. I will, I will say without giving away too much about what I'm, what I'm thinking for editors picks, I do, I I can, I can confirm that Virginia Tech at ODU will be on that list. Yeah, that's got it. I, 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 yeah, I was looking at, I was looking at a bunch of them because I, I try to do, so I'll have the JMU game. I try to do one or two other Sunbelt games or conference games. Um, and then some other notable yeah. matchups. Um, uh, Virginia Tech ODU was like a no-brainer. Yeah. Um, Who are we rooting for in that? Are we rooting for anyone? Are we rooting for a zero-zero tie, Rob? Lightning. Can I can I root for the yeah. at symbol? Yeah. Like, yeah. Does that yes. count? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lightning. Are we rooting for lightning? <laughs> yeah. Weather cancellation. Like. Yeah. Poor fan experience for all. Um, uh, or some type of like uh, maybe ODU could play another fifty-five minute game where they call off the fourth quarter again i don't know i yeah. I, I think for i think for just just to appease mm-hmm. the, the just the overall hatred in just the student in me yeah. and wanting to not see uva or tech win i have to go with odu despite the fact that that would mean some interesting ramifications for jmu later down the line yeah i think um, i'm with you on this actually i think i'm weirdly with you on this just for the sunbelt like first game for jmu and odu um you know, especially if you told me JMU was going to win against Middle, um, then I would happily cheer for ODU in that matchup. <laughs> so, yeah, are we yeah. going to go full like SEC in the belt, where we just no? I think this others? is just. I, a, I, don't, yeah. I don't think it's that direction. I got to tell you, just based on Twitter, I, I'm already developing some uh, dislike for a few of these teams. <laughs> yeah, no, we need to. We're, we're when we lose on some kind of like awkward safety and or bad pass interference call, like. Then we'll get to hating again. But for year one, we'll see. <laughs> I, I really don't think it'll take long for no. old rivalries to reappear and no, new ones to be new ones to emerge. I, I oh, think this, it's, this it's Marshall take... thing is going to get out of control really the, quickly. I think, low, low key, I think Coastal's terrible. I, oh, I Coastal's think we're going to hate them. Yeah, I think we're really I, Yeah, I, I think those, just, two, those two are, are going to be fun the whole, to watch like, from uh, up in the press box. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, the, the whole kind of like, America's darling coastal for oh they got mullets they're funny huh they're just obnoxious like they don't get fan support they just they strike me as like a very dumb version of Richmond 
if that makes any sense. Like, yes. where, like the reputation is, is leads you to believe that there's this passionate fan base and there isn't. It's like 14 people on Twitter and 30, 30% of the stands fold. And then, oh, but they've got mullets. They're funny and harmless. Like, I don't know. I don't like them already. There, there's a lot of connections there too. I mean, yeah. Mickey, to begin with, Mickey. Um, yeah. Kelly Moore, shout out, Coastal Cheerleading. Um, yeah, that's a former JMU. Yeah, oh, it's going to be a fun. It's going to be fun to develop these rivalries for sure. I have a feeling so. JMU fans are just going to despise every single team in the East Division equally at some point within the next five years. Yeah, like at some that, point, the hatred is just going to be just going to be there, and it's all going to reach one level. It's mm-hmm. just going to be a matter of how soon that hatred reaches that even point. And when Georgia Southern gets good again, people don't realize it, but that's another fan base like ours that, yeah, (laughs) they're going to be loud and obnoxious about things too. I'm very excited to go down to Georgia for that game. (laughs) I'm very much excited for that one. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I'm excited for their freedoms flight when they have their bald Eagle go down and kind of do what Auburn does to start their games. It's the same thing. Yeah. I'm excited to see that in person. I, I will admit that. I am excited to see the different fan traditions. I, I will admit, after going to Richmond last season, I'm a little traumatized from the giant spider video that was on the Jumbotron <laughs> as the team walked out. I don't do spiders to begin with. Um, I don't like I don't like them as creatures. Um, so seeing them on the Jumbotron just was not fun. Um, but I like those fan traditions. So I think that's, like for somebody that likes to go and just, watch the atmosphere and see the atmosphere that's what i'm excited to see the most that's so cool it's gonna be great yeah it really is (laughs) yeah rob you pointed out last week i don't know was that the was it ryan mcgee i don't know the espn article about like everyone did this other thing and the sunbelt did it did their own thing and everybody zigged and sunbelt zagged like let's just go regional forget markets like it's what old school college football fans want you know just like just can you get excited just to line up against the other team that you can't stand every Saturday, you know, every Saturday, another one versus some far flung team from a zip code where you've never worked with an alum from that's like, I don't know. This is, it's just so much better. It's so exciting. But yeah, I, I, I do think that the thing that is going to bond the Sunbelt East collectively is a dislike of our fan base. <laughs> I, I think that will be the, like everybody's very hunky dory now and like all kumbaya like oh it's great let's all do it together but like I, we gotta um, own it we, we've there's yeah, a way yeah. about us you know if, and, if, oh and if we go seven and four oh, we'll be, we'll god bless god bless <laughs> you know it'll it, it ain't gonna be pretty But right now the consensus, like I threw something out on Twitter being like, Hey, who, who are we going to hate the most? And all of the Jamie responses were kind of typical, like Marshall ODU, but all of the Sunbelt responses to that Mm -hmm. tweet were like, y'all are going to hate coastal. Trust me. Coastal, It's coastal. coastal. Like it's just, I don't know. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. And just following along, seeing a couple of coastal Twitter people online and you can't judge a fan base by Twitter, but I'm going to judge a fan base by Twitter. I'm, I'm, I'm saying it right now, like ODU, that's my, that's my numero uno. Like that is the rival. Oh, I want to beat them. They have ultimate scoreboard right now. They beat us at FCS when they were starting up. Like that is the game that I want every year. Um, Coastal is a close second. They're, they annoy me already. So come with me. You, I'm leading the charge. Do nice. you have an unofficial, unofficial name for the JMU ODU matchup? 
I know that I know that people I know that people want uh, to have that matchup have like a name, kind of like how Auburn, Alabama have the Iron Bowl every year. Yeah. Um, do you guys have one in mind that you might want to dub within within your blog and your podcast at least for the time being didn't we try something a couple like when it happened in fcs todd i we did and i don't remember what we actually did then but i i know there's a really esoteric one that i do like there's isn't there one about like john henry's hammer or whatever like because of the tunnel i think so i think shane i think shane was like i don't know playing for something like that like um like the railroad spike or something to be like the commonwealth you know whatever I mean, I, I don't know. I think J. I mean, UVA and Tech are already the Commonwealth Cup, you know. So, I mean, I guess this could be the colonial thing or the governor's thing, or I don't know. No, I don't have it. I, I don't. I, I the do one think. Thing I really, really, yeah. The one thing I really want, Maddie, is a JMU App State Marshall Blue Ridge Trophy Series. So, like the okay. way that Army, Navy, and Air Force play, like a you know the commander the commander in chief commander's trophy, team. and mm-hmm. so like. In a given season, you play, you know, those two games and the whoever wins both gets the so you're sort of always playing for this thing within the season. And I think okay. those are the, those are the three schools in the mountains in this conference, right? right. That, that could actually like I, I think that something like that would be really cool too. That, that's know. interesting. I haven't heard that one before. Yeah. And those are well, I know App has been excited because now JMU and Marshall are the only they app has been the only team in the Sun Belt that had any possibility of snow for games oh um, that's true yeah that is very so true now they actually have two other teams in the conference where no. that is possible <laughs> i think we're overselling this when was, <laughs> la- when was the last time it snowed in harrisonburg before thanksgiving not often yeah, yeah. Right. i mean i, I hope <laughs> okay. so it's great like it, these are locations that snow yeah but they do not snow during football season, football season this, is, right. this is not wisconsin Right, I, well, right. I, I think now that you've said it, I think you've jinxed us. Yeah, and... it'll snow okay. for coastal, you know. So, <laughs> is there a good ODU moniker yet? I don't know. Yeah, I, I hope something comes about. I hope it's somewhat organically and not too forced. Like, yes. I think both fan bases want it to happen. They want it to be a big game. They want it to be a named game. Mm-hmm. I'd prefer that we see how things play out. Maybe something funny happens in the first couple of years, or there's something that kind of brands the rivalry rather mm-hmm. than just forcing, like you said, another like Commonwealth cup or, you know, the battle for the governors, blah, 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 blah. But right. it, it means whether they name it something or not, both fan bases will tell you, this is the one we're circling, which is good. Nobody's shying away from it. This isn't like a Duke Maryland back in the day where Maryland's like, Oh, we're your rival. And Duke's like, you're not our rival. Like there's nothing <laughs> worse than that. When yeah. one fan base can just be smug and, we know smug very well as Jamie fans <laughs> with the rest of CAA. But this is great because nobody's backing down. Like that's I, true. You're you'll tell me if I meet an ODE fan tomorrow and be like, oh, I hope we beat you guys, and they're gonna say the same thing. It's not gonna yeah. be like, yeah, it's not that you know, who cares? Yeah, they're it's not just another act game. Like it's not a big deal either. Yeah, right? it's a big mm-hmm. deal. It's yeah. a big deal from day one. It's a tough that's ticket true. and it's one that both fan bases want to win. So uh, obviously I'd love to have some cool trophy or anything, but whether we do or we don't. It's still not changing the fact that this is the one everybody's going to circle on their calendar every year. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, well, Madison, we cannot thank you enough. Thank you so much for all of the time that you gave us, including um, the technical difficulties before. Um, where can we find your work? Is there anything you want to plug or tell us about? Or you know, <laughs> I will. I will always plug if you give me the opportunity yeah, yes, to. Um, 
so I, this is the first time, aside from me retweeting on Twitter, I get to say this, but um, myself, along with my co-editor Grant and a few other student sports editors around the Sun Belt are launching a podcast yeah. that yes. we recorded our first episode on Friday. I'm very excited about it. It's called Fun in the Sun Belt. Um, so that is going to be, that is entirely sports, student sports editors. So all student newspapers, which I love, oh, I think that's awesome. going to be great. Um, we're all also voters for the student media poll. Um, which has about 160 voters from student newspapers or outlets all across the country. Cool. Um, and so, yes, I highly recommend, please, please, please check out Fun in the Sunbelt and SMP. Both are awesome. Um, Grant and I post top 25 rankings every single week. So you can go and you can actually go and find my vote, my, my ranking and probably give me hate for it. I'm sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then I'm, I mean, I, I am very excited for some of the stories that I have coming out and that I have planned. I have, I have a story. If all, if all goes well, I will be very excited. It's going to be for that JMU ODU game. Um, so hopefully, uh, hopefully things will fall into place for me to tease that a little bit more. Um, but if that works out, it will be a very exciting story. But I will tease the story that I am working on to open up the season. I'm going to be highlighting Percy, Sam, and Isaac um, in their three journeys throughout JMU. Um, cool. um, so that is going to be kind of like the – that's well, it's going to be the cover of the breeze, barring any major breaking news, which <laughs> right. has been my bad luck, I will admit. Yeah. Okay. Um but I, I would love to plug that and just kind of say check that one out because there are some seriously powerful – moments in that story that I think a lot of people are going to enjoy reading. Cool. I'm looking forward to checking that out. Yeah. And it's at Sporting Mads on Twitter, right? Yes, that's correct. Okay. All right. There we <laughs> go. Um, well, thank you so much. And we will be looking forward to sharing all the excitement with you this year. Thank you guys so much. So, this was so much fun. <laughs> oh, it's the best. Rob, Thanks for joining um, us. This was really fun. Yeah. So really good. And um, Rob, we will Talk next week after the first ever JMU FBS game. Well, well, we can talk during the game. We'll be sitting next to each other. So. Right. That will be even better, but we will be back on here with all Back on the air, yeah. Yes. So. All right. Talk to you next week, Rob. All right. See you later. Go Dukes. Start wearing purple, wearing purple. Start wearing purple for me now. All your sanity and wits, they will all vanish. I promise. It's just a matter of time. So, yeah. Since you were a 20 I was 20